Hey yo, it is Tyler here, and you have stumbled upon Cup of Taboo. Here I discuss some strange, spooky, terrible things, things that a lot of people consider to be taboo. I consider them interesting, and I hope you do too. I currently post one episode a week, but I am working at being a better person and eventually getting to two episodes per week. Now, that would be one crime story and then one less terrible, more fun episode to wash the sadness and despair from the crime story before it. So I hope that's cool with everyone because it's been decided. (laughs) Also, wow, rude. Just a quick shout out to, um, I listened to True Crime South Africa's covering of the Van Breda case. I mean, she's so thorough. And she did a way better job than I think I could ever do because my research skills are that of a primary schooler. So <laughs> go listen there if you want to hear way more detail uh, than what I gave you. She's an amazing podcast and I listen after I recorded mine because I didn't want to be influenced. But now I kind of wish that I had listened before because damn, that information was on point, boy. Today I am going to be talking about how freaking terrifying islands are. I mean, when you imagine an island, you probably picture a tropical paradise, you know, sandy beaches, blue seas, palm trees and stuff. No, no, no. I want to, I want to tell you about them spooky islands because, you know, it's spooky season. So we're going to speak about spooky things. And before I forget... I am writing exams. So, this is why this episode is coming out just a wee bit late. uh, Because uh, I I have to study. I leave things to the last minute and I hate myself for it. But anyway, fret not. I shall return. Stress-free, baby. Okay, probably not stress-free. Because uh, you best believe the unpreparedness is real. So, send help. (laughs) So, in case you didn't know... An island is a piece of land that is completely surrounded by water. So they can be in lakes, rivers, seas, your bath, I don't know, wherever there is water and it is completely surrounding this piece of land. So you might be saying, okay, but like all continents are surrounded by water, so they're just huge islands. No, no. You see, they're too big to be considered an island. Uh, We we do not live on the island of Africa. (laughs) As, as cool as that sounds, like I would totally be cool with that because apparently there's like a size limit as to what can be called an, an island. Uh, apparently there are six types of islands and uh, this is all new information to me because I did not do geography. These are continental, tidal, barrier, oceanic, coral and artificial. So I'm not a geography channel, so I won't be going into too much detail about how these islands are formed and whatnot. But I will post a link in the show notes for anyone that may be interested. Enough dilly-dallying. Onwards and upwards, dear friends. Now, onto the show. I hope that you are ready for your weekly dose of strange, bizarre and spooky served in your cup of taboo. This is gonna be a shot glass of taboo, y'all. The first island I'm going to talk about, the spookiest, creepiest island I think I have ever seen with these two eyeballs, 
on the interwebs, obviously, because travel is not allowed, is called Doll Island or the Island of the Dolls. Now, I mean, Im immediately it's kind of like, okay, dolls are creepy. So that just sort of lets you know the level of creep we're getting into. So when I say that this place will haunt your dreams forever and ever, I am not joking. If you look at the photos, they are straight out of a horror movie, and the fact that they are photos of a real place makes them way more terrifying. So I'm going to add a whole bunch of photos to, to the blog and my Instagram page so that you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But just, you know, don't look at them at night if you enjoy sleeping soundly. Okay. So, la... Isla de las Muñecas, that was definitely not good and I'm so sorry, is located in the channels of Xochimilco, which is just south of Mexico City. This is a man-made island and they call it a Chinampa, which is a floating island engineered by the Aztecs ages ago. And I can't really find the size of it anywhere, but it takes about an hour and a half by boat to get to it. So I watched a BuzzFeed video on this island, um, I'll also link that, and oh my damn, the vibe when you arrive by this little rickety dodgy boat with some like plastic chairs attached to it, probably with duct tape, it, like when you arrive to that island, it's impeccable. It is straight up, you're going to die there and you're probably going to be filmed, and you know, and it's probably going to be filmed kind of a thing. So the history of the island has a few variations. The main story goes as follows, that a man named Don Julian Santana Barrera decided to leave his wife and move himself to this little desert deserted island to live his recluse dreams, all alone and probably slightly crazy to be fair. It is said that in the 1950s, some time around there, he found the body of a small girl that had drowned in the canals, canals, channels, <sighs> sorry. Shortly thereafter, he found a doll and he decided that this doll must have belonged to her. So he was like, I'm going to hang this doll up. So this is where the theories start coming through. Some say he hung up the doll to honor the girl's spirit. Some say he hung it up to protect himself and the island from the girl's spirit. And then some say that he hung the doll to protect the girl's spirit from the demons. Whatever the reasons were, he found the girl and the doll, decided that the doll belonged to the girl, and he hung it up in a tree. He then activated his too much gene and started adding more and more dolls. And whichever dolls he could find, any of them floating along in dumps in like the mainland, wherever he could find dolls, he would bring them back and hang them wherever he could and in whatever state he found them in. So now this obviously leads to the creepiest looking dolls because like they're generally unwanted dolls if they've been thrown into a river or into a dump. Dolls are scary enough as they normally are, but if it's just the head of a doll or a doll missing a couple limbs, you can just imagine that it's, it's gonna be way scarier. Some people believe that he was a hoarder and that he had this collection as an obsession and he just made up the story of the little girl to try and like seem less crazy to sort of give his collection meaning, but I don't know. So eventually people started hearing about this spooky doll graveyard island and started going there. So Don Julian set up like the weirdest barter system in the world where he would trade some of his homegrown produce, produce for people's dolls. So people would come to visit the island 
to get spooked out. And then they would either just leave a doll or they would barter a doll for some fruit or vegetables or whatever. So there are said to be over 1,500 dolls on the island. And I believe that this number just keeps growing because nobody ever removes the dolls. They just sort of hang there where they're put and, you know, they get worn out by weather. They get turned into little bug condos by the freakiest spiders in the world. I mean, like it could even be called Spider Island at this point from the videos that I've watched. So, yeah, I don't know which is more scary, the dolls or the bugs. Anyway, Don Julian lived on this island alone for nearly 50 years with his growing collection of soulless, lifeless baby dolls. His nephew would visit him occasionally and help him with the crops and the tourists and because, you know, they realized they could also make some money. So they would charge people to get to the island on the boat and, you know, they, they made a bit of extra cash that way. In 2001, Don Julian's cousin, his name is, uh, well, nephew, sorry, his name is Anastasio, was helping with the crops and then he found his uncle's body in the canal, dead. Exactly where supposedly Don Julian had found the little girl's body 50 years prior to that. He had also drowned and he was in his 80s. His nephew decided to take over the island and he now lives there alone as well, which I wouldn't do even if somebody paid me. Thank you very much. He says that the dolls whisper to each other at night and that they turn their heads and... But, you know, in quotes, you get used to it. <laughs> in quotes. He believes that the island is haunted by the little girl because he says that you can hear a little girl at night saying, Give me my doll. And you can also hear a walking stick. And fun fact, Don Julian used to walk with a cane. So, you know, now he's just chilling there in his spiritual realm with this creepy little dead girl ghost playing with dolls for all eternity. I don't know, man. I know a lot of cultures have beliefs that mirrors trap souls and whatnot, but maybe it's dolls. Annabelle, hello. Okay. The next island that I will haunt your dreams with is called... This is going to be bad again. I'm so sorry. Isla da Quimada Grande. So, it's otherwise known as Snake Island. So, for those with opidiophobia, the fear of snakes, I suggest you just don't add this to your travel list. Okay. So, this is situated about 90 miles or 150 kilometers from downtown Sao Paulo. And it's roughly 430 square meters or 110 acres in area and it is apparently really beautiful like from afar <laughs> the island has got like a, a large rainforesty area and it's got the beaches and it's very non-human like there's no human influence whatsoever the island hasn't been touched by human developers because of the fact that it is infested with incredibly venomous snakes. <laughs> Yikes! And no, these are not your average brown house snake kind of snake. This is a species of snake that is basically only found on this island and it's called the Golden Lance Head Viper, which is one of the most venomous snakes in the world. So this guy's venom is said to dissolve flesh and skin upon biting pretty much very quickly and the chances of survival are slim 
So it is said that you would die within an hour if you were bitten by one of these golden lancet vipers. And considering it's like 150 kilometers from the mainland and hospital, uh, I don't think you're going to do so well, hey? Some more interesting terrifying facts about this lovely slithery little friend is that they eat the birds that migrate to the island. Which means that these murder noodles slither up the trees and attack from a high vantage point. No thank you. So besides having around 4,000 of the terrifying golden vipers, the island also hosts many other little noodles. Some are less murdery than others. So there's actually a kind of very cute one called the snail eater. And it's this tiny little adorable little snake and it lives on snails. Which, like, that's, that's cute. I can do with that. So it is estimated that there is a snake for every square meter, which is a lot of snakes. Uh, they also mostly tend to the rainforest section of the island, which means that, uh, imagine you're going that forest day, eh? there's a lot of snakes, I just I can't, no, no thank you. So one good thing about the island is that uh, it is basically illegal to go there, mostly because of how dangerous it is, but also because these snakes are actually on the critically endangered list. The Brazilian government allows only scientists to go to the island and it is mandatory to go with a doctor when you get there and the doctor has to be with you at all times, which makes sense. So on to the history of the island. The name actually roughly translates to slash and burn fire or big burnt island in Portuguese. So the reason it got this name is because originally the authorities wanted to grow a banana plantation out of the forest and in so attempting to protect blah, blah, blah. so in attempting to prepare it for that the island was basically hell on earth with fire and brimstone then the the snakes so it's just not meant for to host humans i, I think so there were humans who did live on the island up until sometime in the 1920s uh, there is a lighthouse on the island and it needed a human being to look after it and, you know, turn it on and off and, you know, lighthouse stuff. So the last lighthouse keeper was allegedly killed with his whole family when the snakes got into his house through a window and bit all of them. The lighthouse was automated after that and now they send teams in only to do maintenance when needed. So there is another urban legend or story about a fisherman whose boat wandered off course and by the worst luck in the world he landed on Hell Island. He decided that he would go and pick bananas. Don't pick bananas that don't belong to you friends. And then was attacked from a snake in the trees. So apparently he was trying to run back to his boat but as he was running he kept getting bitten by more and more snakes. Um, you know the scene in, uh, I think it's David Attenborough's, I think it's Wild Earth 2, Planet Earth 2. Uh, with the lizard and the snakes. Yeah, yeah. I picture it being like that, but with a human. So he was supposedly found in his boat in a pool of blood, quite dead, four days later. There is a legend that says that the snakes made their way onto the island because some pirates had buried their treasure there and they put the snakes there to protect it. But I'm pretty sure that that's probably not the case because why would anyone in their right mind do that? You wouldn't be able to go and get it when you needed it. Like, snakes aren't like guard dogs. They won't greet you and, like, wag their tails. Like, hey, hey, I'm here. I've been, I've been protecting your stuff. No, they have no loyalty. Not, not to you, not to anyone. You are food to them. 
the, the apparent actual scientific reason that the island is infested with snakes is that due to global warming around 11,000 years ago, the sea levels rose and actually created this island. So all of the wildlife that was living in the forest at that time were now stranded there. So the golden vipers evolved to be so deadly because they needed to be able to kill their prey quickly. And as most of their prey was birds, they couldn't chase after it and wait for it to die. They also had no natural predators on the island, so their numbers just grew and grew. So thankfully, these guys are not like pool noodles, and they do not float, and nor can they swim. So people on the mainland don't really have to worry about them washing up on their beaches. Apparently, there is a bit of a black market trade for these snakes, so some people actually illegally go onto the island and try to trap them and sell them. Apparently, they can go from $10,000 to $30,000 for a snake. So that's worth more than my apartment almost. Anyway, as I said, they are considered an endangered species, so please don't go steal them. Uh, you might also die if you go there, so there's more motivation to not go steal them. Uh, more information, interesting information, uh, because, you know, in my little deep dive of Google, uh, you can kind of tell if a snake is venomous by looking at it. So it's not always like fully accurate. Uh, and you should probably always just avoid snakes. But if the snake has a wider triangle-shaped face, there is a chance it's dangerous. And also, if the snake has cat-like slit eyes, then it's probably dangerous. If it's got a cute little noodle head with sweet round little anime pupils in its eyes, then it's probably just a friendly noodle. <laughs> I'm a snake. I'm a slitherous, slitherous snake. That's all I thought this entire time that I was doing this. I will post pictures of that on the Instagram too. Like I said, if you're scared of snakes, just, I don't know, just look at it. It's scary. It's terrifying. I would not, I don't want to be involved with that island whatsoever. Last on my list for today is just a nice little haunted island. Basically, the most haunted island on this earth. Some call it the real-life Shutter Island. The island that I'm talking about is called Poveglia Island. It is situated in the Venice Lagoon. Basically, this little island has had so much death and bad stuff to it that it's hard to believe that uh, it's not haunted by something. Even if you don't believe in hauntings per se, I definitely reckon there's some bad juju energy left behind. So to start, way back in the day, in about AD 420 to be more accurate, people went to the island for protection from barbaric invaders. The island was easily defendable and relatively small, which made it not worth the invaders' time even trying to get to it. So people would then stay on it, and a couple more people would come and go from the island after this. Nothing really permanent though. That is until the bubonic plague hit Europe. The plague arrived in Venice in 1348, and Venice was not playing any games. They were like, no, we are quarantining these sick people on the surrounding islands. Surrounding islands. So Poveglia was one of them. Fun fact, the word quarantine actually came from the Venetians. It comes from the length of time that travelers had to stay on an island before they could pass into the city, that being... Quaranta giomi, or 40 days. So, quarantine. Cool. So, because of that, like, yeah, we're, we're quarantined now, always, forever. 
So it is believed that the Black Plague arrived in Europe in October of 1347 when a Genoese trading ship sailed into Messina in Sicily from the Black Sea. On this trading ship were sailors who were sick and dying with an unknown affliction. So they brought these poor men to shore to examine them and on them they had these black, strange, swollen spots on their skin. Their glands and lymph nodes were swollen and often oozed blood. And then shortly after this, internal bleeding would happen and the patient would die. The average amount of time it took to kill someone was five days. So it is understandable why Venice was so incredibly strict about their quarantine. Imagine seeing someone go through that torture. No thank you. So they realized that this was passed from person to person and they were like, okay, no, we, we can't have sick people around other people because people are just going to get sick. Also, apparently one third of the population ended up dying from the Black Plague. I'm just saying. So it's, that's a lot of people. So they then decided to ship the ill and even those who they suspected were ill to these islands to quarantine them. But it wasn't really quarantining. They were pretty much sending these poor people there to die. In the center of the island, they would burn the bodies of those who had died and sometimes even those who had not yet died but were on the brink of death. They would pile them up onto these huge pyres and set them alight. The smoke would rise and anyone on the mainland who saw the smoke knew what it was and they knew that if they got sick they would end up there. It is said that you could hear the screams of the people on the island from miles and miles away. In 1630 there was more disease spreading through Venice and so they sent their sick ones to live on the islands as they had before. So they say that there were over 160,000 human bodies that were burnt on and that died on this island over its lifetime. Now that is a lot of bodies for a very small amount of land. Uh, it is also said that 50% uh, of the island's soil, like the, the floor, is actually human ash. So sometimes human bones are found on the shore because the island itself could no longer like hold them. So they get like sucked out to sea and then deposited back on the shore again. Which is kind of terrifying. Just saying, fishermen actually don't even want to go near the island because they know that they'll probably get some human bones stuck in their nets. Which, oh, no thank you. And when I say this island isn't very big, it's actually like quite small. Again, I'll post pictures. It's actually quite a small little island. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s about, they decided that it would be an amazing idea to construct a mental asylum on this island. So that, you know, the crazy folk wouldn't bother anybody else. And also so that the people in charge of the crazy folk could do what they wanted to do without repercussions. Great idea. So in about 1922, there was a doctor at the asylum, apparently named Dr. Damian Nikolovich. I can't confirm if that's his real name, but I saw that in one source, so I'm going with it. Who noticed that there was a rather large amount of patients who were suffering from phasmophobia, which is the fear of ghosts, coupled with phasmagoria, which is seeing ghosts. So these poor people, like patients, get shipped to an island where thousands of people had died horrendous deaths in the past. They then see what they believe are ghosts, and then they get incredibly scared. So what does the good doctor do? He laughed at them, and he decided that he would perform lobotomies and experiments on them. But he would do it in the worst of ways. He would use primitive tools like drills, hammers, and chisels, 
And it was said that he would then take some patients to the bell tower where he would perform the most horrendous experimental surgeries that, quote, bordered on absolute butchery, unquote. In a wonderful twist of events, the doctor actually ended up going mad and he threw himself from the bell tower a few years later. In a... The, the theories on this are that he was carried up the bell tower by his angry patients and then thrown from the top, which would be a bit difficult because apparently it was only accessible by a ladder. The next theory is that he threw himself off the top because of the guilt from what he had put the people through. There's also that he was pushed by a ghost. He started seeing the ghosts and hearing the ghosts and lost his mind because of it, jumping to his death to make them go away. And the last one was that he ended up seeing and hearing the ghosts and then felt terribly guilty and ended up killing himself because of the guilt of that. So the hospital was closed in 1968, which is not long ago. Oh, before I say that, uh, apparently they did also open a uh, hospice, like an old age home as well. But I couldn't really find much information on that. But anyway, the hospital was closed in 1968 and the island was shut down to tourism. So, like, the, the they stopped people from going there. So the outer garden was for a while run as a small vineyard, but that too was eventually stopped. So at this point, the island is completely deserted. Uh, all the furniture is still in the buildings. The plants have overgrown the place, and apparently it is incredibly beautiful and eerie. And a few people who have gone there to do, you know, documentaries or whatever, say that as soon as you step foot on the island, like an almost instant sadness will wash over you. So they feel like, a, like your emotional battery is being drained very quickly. So some people say that they can hear screams, at night and also they can apparently also hear the bell tower bell towering you know belling so whatever you believe there there is a lot of sadness and death that happened on this small piece of land it was sold a couple years ago to a very rich person uh, who had plans of turning it into a resort and restoring everything but nothing has happened to this point in the book that I read to get the information on this island, uh, there was actually such an amazing quote. It went as follows. Time may heal all wounds, but that doesn't mean there aren't scars left behind. Sorry, I just thought that was really pretty. So, yeah, that, like, I mean, I don't know. If, 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 whether you believe in ghosts or not, it's definitely got a lot of bad history. And I think that, you know, vibes are there. So, like, I feel like there would be a very negative vibe. <laughs> if you want to go to a nice place for a nice holiday, don't go there. It's just going to make you really sad, I think. But anyway, guys, that is all that I have for you today, friends. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you keep listening. I'm sorry that this was such a short episode. Uh... I would like to try and record as much as I can so I can put out more in October for spooky season, but these pesky exams are getting in the way. <laughs> I am so angry at myself, I leave everything to the last minute, and then I panic study and cram every piece of information that I can, then I write the exam and have a full-on emotional breakdown, and generally end up either passing with flying colors or failing miserably, so there's no in-between really. It's exhausting. <laughs> Ah, it's okay. I only have like 12 subjects left until I'm done with this degree. So like I just need to push through like a baby out of the birth canal. But I sure am over it. 
Anyway, moving on from that, please could you tell your friends to give the podcast a listen and a subscribe, tell your family, tell your co-workers, you know, whoever you want to tell or not tell, it's fine. It would be greatly appreciated though. Follow me on the socials. Uh, Instagram is at cup of taboo underscore podcast facebook is cup of taboo you can email me cases that you want me to speak about at cup of taboo at gmail.com and i am now on tiktok at cup of taboo i have two whole ass videos such a professional i know it'll eventually get better i promise not now but it will um and also like i said the the youtube video that i spoke of in the last video it's still coming it's just really bad and i'm very bad at editing videos <laughs> so i'm learning it's gonna take some time. Okay, oddballs, I'm gonna go. Gotta study. Don't visit abandoned, haunted, snake-infested islands. Okay. Bye.